0: Hello, and welcome to Be With Champions. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. Today's show was a very special one, talking to the three-time World Series champion at the young age of 29, Mr. Mario Mola. His uh, maturity at such a young age when it comes to managing his ego and his emotions was something that I really took away from this episode, that he's able to train with the very best in the world, but never get overly flustered. And, And I think that has a lot to do with both him and his coach, Uh, joel filial who has been able to recruit the very best athletes in the world and and have them you know train together daily and then race against each other on the world stage consistently and i'm very impressed when i see a a coach athlete work so well together and these two have really mastered that so enjoy this episode If, if you're enjoying it please share it and give me any reviews um or feedback um but until next time enjoy this one guys All right, today's guest is arguably the fastest runner the sport of triathlon has ever seen, with run times off hard bikes consistently under 14 minutes for 5k. That's under 2 minute 48 per kilometer or under 4 minute 27 mile pace, and he has 10 kilometer times to match. But he's far more than just a brilliant runner. He has supported this run with incredibly powerful swim-bike combination that has had him win three consecutive ITU World Championship Series titles in 2016, 2017, and 2018. And this past seven years, when he's not winning, he's on the podium for three wins, two seconds, and a third in the World Series. He's a smiling assassin, one of the most humble, respectful, and laid-back men in the sport, but with a fierce ferocity on the race course that stretches his competitors to their limit much like a medieval torturer stretching them on his rack until they break. He's a good friend and at the age of 29, already a legend of the sport of triathlon and a true champion. Hailing from the small island of Mallorca, Spain, I'm excited to welcome Mr. Mario Moller. How are you, mate? (laughs) Hello.
1: Thank you. What a presentation. Thank you.
0: (laughs) You're more than welcome. I mean everything I said in there. It's uh, incredible to have you on the show and I I really appreciate your time as I know this year is a a big year for for everybody in the ITU world and, you know, six, seven months to the Olympic Games now. So, you know, to steal an hour of your time is, uh, I, I truly appreciate it.
1: No, please. Thank you. It's, I mean, it's been a long time since we didn't get or have the opportunity to, to speak. So I think it is a great excuse to to spend an hour <laughs> or whatever it takes to, to chat. And, and yeah, it is great to be here.
0: Oh, that's why I started the podcast. I'm like, you know what? Mario is not going to talk to me if I just say, hey, do you want to chat for an hour? But maybe if I start a podcast, these guys will will, uh, will spend some time and chat with me. So I really appreciate it. So where are you in the world now and, and what are you up to? Because I know you move around a lot with training camps and things. What What's going on?
1: Yes, right now we are, as we've been in the past uh, three, four years, doing the winter preparation, like the winter block we we do it together with the with the squad with our coach Joel Filiol and we spend this time uh, till the first race, which is gonna be beginning of March in Abu Dhabi. We are in in the Canary Islands, uh, known uh, for being at, like a dry and very windy place. But normally the weather uh, temperature is is good, so that's what brings us here, and and it is it is nice to be in a place settled for uh, at least uh, more than three four weeks because as you said mm. then as soon as we we get our bike in the in packed and and the bags uh, we don't know when we, we we don't really have so much weeks in one place so we we really enjoyed this this quiet time at least here
0: well it must work for you because how many times have you gone out and won abu dhabi the last few years how many wins have you had at abu dhabi it's been a few hasn't it <laughs>
1: uh yes at least uh that i can remember yeah two or three um yeah, yeah it's been <laughs> a it, it's I it, honestly yeah i i try not to think too much about it so then that's why when i'm or oh, i don't really keep track of it but it's true that in the past it's been a uh, like a good race for me and, and and yeah i keep good memories of it
0: i love it it's a uh... You guys that win so many races, you're like, yeah. I think it was like I had Javier Gomez on an earlier podcast, and I mm-hmm. said, so, you know, how many um, how many times have you been on the World Series podium? And because <laughs> I know he'd, he'd, he's won so many of them, and then yeah. I think he's won five. I can't remember now. but he mm-hmm. he said, oh, and he's like, I can't remember, I don't know. And then finally, he came in said, 11. Oh, I was like, oh, mate. So you're chasing <laughs> you you're chasing him because you're right. at seven. You're at he's seven, making, right?
1: he's putting it complicated. Yeah, but yeah, you said yeah. seven, so I, I believe what you said in the introduction. So let's let's. Oh, is that right? Seven. You
0: don't even. know. <laughs> <laughs> how many times have I been on the World Series? Do you know how many young young people are listening to this show, just dreaming of one day having one race, one race where they might get on the podium? Let alone, I think you've won. I think for my last count, seventeen World Series events. I may be even cutting you short there, but I know it's at least seventeen and then to have three uh, World Series um, championships plus three seconds. Um, Were those seconds, well, one of them was to Vincent Louis this past year and two of them were to Javier Gomez, correct?
1: Correct, yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah, mate, I'm impressed. That's that's amazing. So what I want to do in this show is, um, yes, I want to talk about the year coming up. Obviously, it's an Olympic year and and it's a special year. But before we do that, I I, I want to recap 2019 because Mm – 2019, in my eyes, was a very unusual year for um, the the fact that there were so many guys winning races, more mm-hmm. than I think I can ever remember. Um, actually, it takes me back all to my, almost to when I was in ITU, you know, 20 years ago <laughs> where we did yeah. tend to have four or five of us always winning races and anybody, there was very few people winning multiple races. And so 2019, you started the year, you won Abu Dhabi, but you had this young British kid Alex Mm -hmm. Yee and I call him a kid because he's 2021 and I don't mean to be (laughs) patronizing but he's a young guy that's burst out onto the scene from Britain Mm -hmm. an incredible runner and he's now on your shoulder did you know of him before this race was this unusual for you to have somebody on your shoulder with sort of one kilometer 1500 meters to go Uh, well it was unusual
1: that it was him because we we had never I think it was his first WTS so I I can't remember a race where we were together actually so so definitely it was something new like an experience that i was kind of expecting because we we knew oh, i knew how how good he is how talented he is especially of from his running background so uh, i i knew that it, that could be a possibility but it's true that for he was only his first wts i think so so it was impressive that he could he could managed to to get to that position of being that place in without experience that we've gained or earned over the years so uh, yeah at that point to be honest uh, I I just kept running till the end as as <laughs> pushing as hard as I could uh, I I didn't really know what to expect on a, a sprint finish or because with other athletes of course you you've raised more and and you know mm. what their yeah. strengths or or their little weaknesses are, but with him, I had no idea. So it was just fun. I enjoyed it, and and I hope it's just the the first one of of many. That would be good.
0: Yeah. Well, the one thing with you is, if anybody's watched your career, is you have this ability to come out of transition, never in the lead. You always. It almost seems to me you enjoy being a. I wouldn't say enjoy being slow, but you don't mind coming out of transition around tenth to fifteenth, and then mm-hmm. running through making your way to the front at around that sort of one, two-kilometer mark when it's a sprint race and maybe even a bit later if you want in the 10K. And then you just keep squeezing. And it's almost like I don't know whether you're just not slowing down and the others are slowing down or if you're picking up the pace. But it, it's like you just see, you see the facial expressions of your competitors and you see their body language that they're just – I, I've loved watching the way you and I said at the top of the show you, you you're like a medieval torturer with somebody on your rack and you're just squeezing them and, until finally they just pop and there you are just on your own and and the next image of you is you know we're watching you with a real battle and then it's like thirty seconds later you you're hundred meters in front of the whole field and it's are you conscious of of that moment in the race are you trying to pick up the pace at that point to get rid of these guys or do they just fall off?
1: Mm, well, I think. Of course, gotta use my strength uh, as much as I could during the run. So it's true that there's many people that are uh, able to put a last K on the bike and then do a very quick transition. That um, that always or very often makes me start the run like not in first or second, but in hopefully maybe between the top five and top ten. And after mm-hmm. that, yes, I know that I've gotta use what I think is my strength, which is setting or getting to a pace and and then trying to hold it and 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 then yeah, like I feel I got used to the the five k distance and uh, got used to the feeling of what I the pace I can I feel I can uh, sustain and keep during the the whole race and and that's what I've been I've been trying to do. Of course, it depends on the race if other guys are also interested on on taking the lead and making making the run hard. Of course, I don't see myself or consider myself as the greatest sprinter or like last uh, 400 meter uh specialist so so then of course i'm i'm one of the interested on on trying to push from the beginning and make sure that we reach that point or where or i've been able to open a little gap and and i don't need to make that sprint or that at least if we get there we are all tired and it's not a a poor like a, a clean sprint. It's yeah, it's yeah. just a matter of dying to the line.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I got a, I actually gotta laugh. Um, you know, one of the highlights of your career in my eyes was um you say you're not a sprinter. And anybody listening to this podcast, please just jot down to go YouTube this race because it's a phenomenal race. It's it's Mario's first ever World Series uh win, and it's back in 2014 in London. And on YouTube, they show the final mile and there's seven or eight guys there that are the best of the best. We, we have Alistair Brownlee, double Olympic gold medalist. Well, at that stage, he was just one gold medalist, but he was still went on to win two. Uh, Javier Gomez, multiple world champion. Jonathan Brownlee, multiple world champion. The whole world were in this final pack. And, and this race went all the way to the line and you outsprinted your training partner at the time, uh, Richard Murray, and mm-hmm. you took the win over arguably especially at that time the the very the, probably the top six or seven guys in the world so i I laugh when when, when you say I, I try to wind the pace up so I don't have to maybe it's you don't want to sprint and so you try, you'd rather get rid of them but I think you do have a reasonable sprint somehow
1: <laughs> well yeah I guess When you compare yourself against the best, of course, there's always going to be people better than you. And I think once you accept that, it's then when you start working on what you can do better or how can you, even though you think you may be not as capable as others in in those sections, how you can manage to to be there. But it's true that, for example, that that race in, in London, even though yeah, ended up as a sprint it was a very long one so we were running basically oh i do remember running full on full gas for over a k so mm. yeah that would be the sort of uh sprint <laughs> I, <laughs> I i would I'd be more comfortable you know instead of uh, waiting for the last 200 meters and and then yeah. having to, to to produce that massive like power i mm. yeah i, I guess uh, being a light guy and, and truly didn't have a, like a running background uh, since I, I even though many people think I, I used to, to run when I was a kid I just started running when I was 15, 16 so, so then uh, maybe I missed a bit of the, the track and how I guess uh, a kid develops in a running background starting with shorter distances so I missed all that but yeah, I don't know if it's related or not, but in any, in any case, I, I do prefer, I always enjoyed, even when I, when I did some athletics and running races, I always enjoyed like a tough race and starting hard. I guess uh, I do remember when, when I was running uh, 3Ks, 5Ks in the track, national events, uh, when, when the other athletes saw me arriving they they knew it wasn't gonna be a tactical race because I was all always going from the start so mm. that's that's been always the way I have approached it and the way I feel more comfortable and uh, yeah, that was me.
0: I I love that style of racing. I mean, that was myself in my own career when I was up against Mm -hmm. uh, guys like Bevan Doherty, uh, you know, who is an Olympic silver and bronze medalist, Simon Whitfield, Olympic gold and silver medalist. I always had to make a a, a race tough. It was, Mm -hmm. for me, if it was a 10K off the bike, the first 3K I had to just go all out and forget the the next seven. You know, it was get rid of them, get rid of them, get rid of them. And if they were managing to stick until 7K or 8K, I was like, ah, I'd have one more chance at 8K. It was always like, I remember racing yeah. Bevan Doherty at the 2008, uh, it was a non-drafting race, but in Dallas, uh, the Lifetime mm-hmm. Series. And and uh, I just took off with 800 meters to go. It's everything I had. I just kept pretending every light post was the finishing line, you know. So it was like, and, and I ended up getting him. And I said, ah, oh, at the finish, i like, I got you in a sprint. You know, I never thought I'd get Bevan in a sprint. He's like, that wasn't a sprint. You started like half a mile ago, you know. So it was like. <laughs> Not I, on the sprints, like,
1: yeah. Yeah, Those for me, a sprint related. has
0: to start a long way because someone like, a, you know, Simon Whitfield I used to train with and and his ability to run, you know, 51 to 52 seconds for the quarter, you know, mm-hmm. the 400 meters on the track, well, that was substantially faster than I could run 400. So it was, I knew I had to wear these guys down and, and that's kind of where you're coming from. But I still think, I, I still think it's kind of humorous when you say you don't have a sprint, um, <laughs> look at that 2014. So then 2019 goes on, You you, you start with that win. And then you have three seconds in the year to three different guys. And what was interesting about that, like I said, is we're now seeing so many guys charging off the front and they're not just breakaways. They're just having good runs on certain days. You seem to be Mr. Consistency. You, you are there every single race. If you're not winning, you're on the podium. Like last year you came second in the series really close to your training partner, um, Vincent Louis. And, and it was very close towards the very end there. But, you know, you had that win and you had three seconds. What do you think about, you know, this, we're looking at the Norwegians coming through, your training par- partner, uh, Vincent Louis, that there's just so many guys that are coming through now. Um, you know, what's your take on that? Are they all your training partners? What's going on? How come we're seeing so many guys?
1: <laughs> no, well, there's many training partners or uh, at least three, four of them, which got podiums and wins in races. So yeah. I think it is, it is great for the sport. It's obviously uh, great for us to have such a competitive environment around. But at the end, I it's true that we got used in the last 10, 12 years to have basically the same five, six people always being on the podium. And, and this is like, Something that we maybe got used to it, and and now this year especially we've had. Uh, I think only Jake, uh, the Australian, it's been capable of of winning two of the eight races, if I'm not wrong, that we had in the in the WTS circuit. Which I think for the for the show it is great, and and I I feel at the end it's true that races or like the calendar is becoming tougher and tougher in terms of traveling and amount of uh, very competitive races so it is impossible to be always at your 100% so I think that also helps people to be able to in one day have a have a brilliant performance and be able to to be on the Mm -hmm. podium or or win it Uh, but I feel this is just making our sport more interesting and and making everyone just wanted to prepare as good as, as we can and be competitive when, when we have the opportunity because it is getting tougher and more complicated than ever to, to be on a podium or to, to win. And then that gives value and you, you keep enjoying that moment that maybe when, when you repeat more often, it's not that you don't value them or, or you don't enjoy them, but, but I guess we all get used to things no matter how good or mm. bad they are. And, mm. and in this case, I feel at least 2019 has given me more hunger and uh, need to or want, I really want to prepare well this year and do things as good as I can. And, and I think that's just because, well, I didn't win everything or far from that. So I think that's what got at the end as an athlete. Gives you, gives you the, the, the excitement and, and the motivation to keep doing things well.
0: How do you feel being that you were, you know, you and your coach, Joel Filio, who's done incredible work with athletes now for 20 years um, from various countries, but you've worked with Joel for a long, long time. And it, it looks from an outsider that anybody that goes to that squad and trains with you and Joel, they they they're a good training partner for you, but then they become an instant competitor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and all great guys. I know them all very well, and 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 you're a great guy yourself. And I think you're very welcoming. But do you sometimes feel, well, hang on, am I just helping raise these guys to be competitors against me? Is there ever that kind of a thought process?
1: Not really. I, I feel at this point uh, because of the group already. Had been very competitive in the in the or very strong in the past few years. Anyone already joining or uh, coming to the group is a potential uh, WTS medal contender. So I I always mm, seen the the fact that good athletes are joining and, and adding to the group as a as a motivation to to keep training and and keep seeing putting seeing myself putting all the work and everything i need to do to to become a better athlete at the end i feel that if you want to improve there's nothing better than than surrounded by self uh, yourself by people who are better than you and 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 that's what we've been or i feel that's what i've been trying to are being able to do because of uh, the squad that joel has put together and i feel very privileged with that and I'm really happy that people also uh, being in the group are able to to raise and get medals and and win races because uh, as much as I when I was uh, when I win or when I do well, I feel like others are definitely part of it. we we kind of have this feeling when any, anyone in the group is doing a good race we we all feel part of it and and being an individual sport I think it's a great feeling to to have and 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 i think that's what is, keeps us doing the work and and of course being competitive when we have to but also enjoying the day to day process that i think it's it's the most important thing um and results uh, it's no matter how you do good or bad it's i feel it's it goes by the feeling of winning or losing goes by very quick and and we have many more days of work and and consistent um uh, go training going training and and working that i i try to to be or enjoy as much as i can those those moments because they are much more uh, common in our in our life
0: Mm. Oh, I think you you mature behind beyond your years because I know it when I was your age 27, twenty seven twenty eight twenty nine um I, I was kicking and screaming when people would want to join our squads because I, <laughs> I, I was always like no I don't want anybody else improving you know we we, we always found like within our sort of squads in the nineties with different coaches that I worked with and um, you know. Uh, I always kind of felt like there were athletes that brought something to the squad. And then mm-hmm. there were athletes that tend to be just more like takers that they almost took from the squad, but I didn't really feel they were contributing. And, um, they were the ones that really got, you know, you're like, ah, i I don't know and maybe i was just so tired all the time i don't know Mm -hmm. i wasn't reacting to it very well but you know i know that if i was a young athlete now there'd be only one squad i'd be doing everything i could to be a part of and that's you know your squad with joel and um the work that you guys are doing because if you look at both the men's and women's scoreboard over the last five ten years it's it's pretty much you guys are dominating um the world series and, and and those big big events and you know, I think with, with 2020 coming up, you know, you guys have quite the stable to to give the whole world a really good show for the for that Olympic podium. But what I want to do right now is I, I I would like to wind the clock back, um, and and I want to ask you when did you sort of first find your passion for endurance sport? Like you said, it was running was much later. But what got you into, you know, what did you love endurance sport your whole youth? When did that all start?
2: Mm,
1: yeah, honestly, I, I did swimming because my parents thought it was a good sport to grow with. Uh, I, I did enjoy it for quite a lot of time. But uh, when, when I was 12, 13, 14 and most of my uh, friends at school were playing soccer, I felt like that's what I wanted to do. Uh, luckily, I think I played for three or four months and uh, they destroyed me. So I decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> it was such an aggressive uh, sport that I I thought well, let's stick to swimming and and luckily while I was on the edge of just continuing swimming or just doing it because um, that's what I was used to and and I could continue studying that which was my priority. Then I had the I was lucky enough to to have like our first coach triathlon coach uh, in being like the physical prep like coach of our coach of the swimming club or the swimming uh, team. Mm. So it was because of him that I started running, as I said, when I was maybe 15 and, and yeah, that was definitely the, the moment where uh, when I realized, well, that's what I enjoy the most and what I want, want to keep doing. I, uh, I, been always said an endurance, uh, or passionate about endurance sport, and and I think or oh, I've had the feeling that was what was suiting me better, suiting me better. So so yeah, that's that's I guess that's when I I saw that related to running, swimming, and finally mm-hmm. run, cycling, it was oh, everything going to be.
0: Did you know about triathlon before that coach? Had you heard about it? Because what year was that? You that was like two thousand and five, or, or, or correct? Something, was yeah,
1: it? that was. I'm born yeah. in nineteen ninety, so there must has been must have been yeah two thousand four, two thousand five. And no, I didn't. First Olympics I followed and I watched triathlon. I, it was in two thousand eight. So yeah, I have no memories from two thousand four at least Olympic in the in triathlon. Uh, but oh. and, and it's true that you're, in missing, Mallorca, you're
0: missing all the golden years yeah, mate. you need to go back and watch the really special races from 94 <laughs> to 2004
1: the ones <laughs> I have a kidding. lot of work to do there yeah 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 no, but it's true it's true and uh, I'm, I'm often uh, talking to Javi about it and and I feel a bit embarrassed that I don't know anything or not so much no. about it while he was already in the mix so mm. yeah it is mm. it is fun but it's true I, I only uh, I'm in Mallorca its popularity of the sport has grown a lot in the past uh 10-15 years but before that uh, i think there were only like a few teams and and a hundred triathletes so in the island so uh, it wasn't so easy to 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 find or to get with Mm -hmm. the sport and and i was lucky enough that i list uh, one of the Person who, who who was involved with in the sport uh, was close to us in the swimming club and and introduced us to to it.
0: Mm. So when did you find? I mean, you felt you, you found yourself loving the sport and enjoying it. When when was the point that you were like, "Huh, I'm actually pretty good at this. I, I've got a little bit of talent at this." Was there one particular event, or was it over time? Mm. Uh,
1: in 2008 uh i think i finished school so then i decided to to go to university in in barcelona and over that year 2008 to 2009 i trained i trained i trained i did train but i it wasn't the the greatest <laughs> conditions <laughs> I, I was basically uh like commuting to university spending there most of the day i i then one or two sessions in in the afternoon and 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 at the end of that year uh i was able to become second in european uh europeans and then win worlds uh in september and having at least three months of decent training because that was our summer so that was the point where i i thought well if i really want to continue uh Doing this seriously, I, I gotta make a, a decision. Uh, I can't I always like to be hundred percent with something and and the way I was doing it, it wasn't really making me proud. Uh, I was just doing university, but going to university and and then sitting there and trying to understand what I was being mm. told, but my my friends, my uh, people at the at the class were spending the whole afternoon in the in the library uh, or library studying and I, and in the meantime i was swimming or or running on the streets mm. of barcelona so uh, there was something that had to change so um, luckily well i i took that that path even though i didn't stop studying but i i took things a bit more seriously and and the year after i i have i remember the race in in, in london where uh, it was already like Olympic distance WTS racing with, with the best in our sport. And I got a, a fifth, which was something I could never expect or I was never expecting. And, so that was 20, yeah. That
0: was twenty ten, right? Because two thousand and nine was it? You won the World Junior Championships.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. September, okay. Wow. And yeah, it's a we, quick proger-
0: progression. Yeah.
1: It was wow. June. It, it was one of the races where I exited the water in the in the last five. Uh, I suffered to to get on the wheel of, of that last bunch that eventually got in touch with the front. So it was a, a one big bunch starting the run and yeah i had good legs and i finished fifth so that was yeah a result that i said i wasn't expecting and and that gave me the opportunity to to continue uh, racing in the circuit and and doing world cups and i did race a lot in order to 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 get to the that olympics the first olympics in london uh, mm-hmm. where i i needed much more work in order to get there in 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 the perfect conditions but at least yeah it was Thanks to that race in London, I probably got the the chance or the opportunity to to pursue that that first big goal.
0: So it's amazing when you when you look back, and it's a fairly quick progression. Like you know, you you're introduced to the sport in sort of 2005. You finish high school in in 2008 and and go to study in Barcelona, and you know with with limited preparation. I mean, you had the summer, like you said, but. You know, three to four months, you win on the Gold Coast your Junior World Championships in front of the 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 real favourite, Jonathan Brownlee, who'd already been racing on the on the on the World Series and um, was a clear favourite. I think you really came from everybody's like, "Whoa, who's this guy?" And I remember mm-hmm. back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, even before you won that Junior World Titles, uh, listening to Javier Gomez because we we were training together and living together a fair bit around that sort of sort of. 2007 through to 2012 and and he said oh watch out there's this new Spanish this is new Spanish kid coming along that's you know really you know going places and I'm like oh yeah yeah you know you usually hear this from people oh whatever whatever and and boom then, <laughs> then you came out you know went, went that ninth at world juniors and then like you said that that fifth at the London two years out from the games um in an incredible field to show the the leg speed you had at you know, you just turned 20, I think. And it was like, oh, my goodness, who, who's this guy? And then – so then you decided around that time to really pull the trigger, right? It was like I realized I got some passion because one of the things I, I like on this show is really identifying when do these champion athletes find their passion, align that with their strengths. You know, it's one thing to have a mm-hmm. passion for something, but unless you've got the strengths, you know, it really isn't going to give you the, you know, the purpose that you want. But then you also need to take full responsibility and go all in. It's like, okay, now I want to give this a good crack. You know, I, I'm going to have to either put off study or, or, or minimize the amount of study I'm going to do, but I need to go all in then and give myself every opportunity. So that that really was between that sort of 2009, 2010 for you is that little window where you're like, yeah, i got to give this sport a proper crack.
1: Yeah, at least that first change of gears, I would say like, it's true that, Probably the moment where I like really put a fifth or sixth, or uh, when I went all in with the sport It was probably like after London Olympics, and when I when I joined uh, the the squad with Joel. Because before that period, I moved again from Barcelona to Madrid. So I I went to the where the national sports center is, and and that was again like a, a change towards. Trying to to be more professional, but but it's true that many people go to the like national sports center, Hugh Young, and 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 maybe by the time you start training and taking things more seriously, you you realize that's not what you want. Uh, mm. So so yes, I I would say that what I always try to do is uh, not rush too much and and just first make sure that. Uh, or get the result first, and then make the the move after towards the next big goal. Uh, because I, yeah, I feel like sometimes it's good to have those goals uh, ahead and pursue them. But if they are too far, maybe then it's when you get lost on the way. So as I said, like uh, after being in Barcelona for for a year uh, and being able to 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 win junior worlds, then I made the move. Then I was for two years chasing the the Olympic dream and training in the sports center in Madrid, being a bit more professional, but still um, learning how how it was to 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 be a triathlete or almost a full time triathlete. And and as I said, it was just after the London Olympics where uh, when I realized that yeah, I really needed the uh, the change that I feel it's what it's really put me in 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 the position where I am now or it has allowed me to to get to that position and it's been take the backs and uh live from the comfort of mm-hmm. of being in Spain and being part of the national uh program where you where you have everything given, which which is unbelievable and it was really valuable by then, but but I feel like we uh, I needed to take responsibility of what I was doing, and I really needed to invest if I believed in 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 what I was trying to achieve. And and that's that's that was just after two thousand twelve that I mm-hmm. that I joined Joel and the squad, and, and from there on, uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 gone very quickly, but it's almost uh, eight years. It's gonna be eight years now from now.
0: Mm. did you were you the one that reached out to joel or did he reach out to you at those olympics or was it at the olympics or a couple of months after you were like
1: it was at the end of of the series so but because we raced london probably end of july or beginning of august then we had uh, still the grand final in in new zealand and so we did raise that and i spent a few weeks on holiday with with carol uh in in new zealand and it was around then when I I got the, an email from from Joel that he was just putting out putting out starting the 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 squad even though he had some athletes already uh, who were working with him individually or as a as a little squad but uh, yeah that was the first time I I I heard from him and 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 definitely after. Um, trying to to know a bit more of him and the work he was doing i knew it was uh, the choice i had to take
0: mm-hmm. he's he's an incredible coach I, I, it's funny because i've known joel since 2000 and 2001 when i, I was living in victoria canada and training mm-hmm. with um simon whitfield to ha- help him prepare for the 2000 olympic games which um I have a whole sorry story for myself on on that one. I'm being left off the Australian team. But I remember Simon mm-hmm. invited me to come over to Canada and and I was training with Simon to help him get ready. And And I met Joel and he became a good friend of mine. And, and he was a very young guy. He must be, I don't know how old he is now, but at the time he seemed very young in my eyes yeah. and he was, he was very green in terms of, um, you know, his knowledge, but he was very wanting to know more. and and And, and I've watched him mature over these last, you know, 10 to 20 years into this probably one of the all-time coaches now in our sport you know and largely due to your performances and um and a, a number of other members of the squad but just to to watch him then work with simon whitfield to get his silver medal at the olympic games in beijing and um he, he's he's constant and then yeah, i think he worked with the british team right up until 2012 mm-hmm. he was Go part right. of you know that whole alistair brownlee gold and, and jonathan brownlee um bronze medal at london and and so to get an email from him um after that track record it must have been like okay it, it wouldn't have been a very long thought process i wouldn't have thought to go hang on this guy's getting these kind of results this must be a good a good way to go
1: right yeah definitely it was it didn't take much to 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 make the addition <laughs> even though by then yeah i was uh, still in madrid so so there were still some moves to do there but uh, yeah, we uh, right away saw that. Yeah, that's what I really wanted to do and pursue. And 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 I guess I'd, by then there weren't so many like professional squads around. Uh, like mm. not having like a, a one base where uh, you are going and coming back after every race. So I kind of like the the idea of not not having that and being having the freedom of choosing. Uh, training locations depending on on the schedule and i think that, that w- that's been a, a key factor of of how the group it's been doing in the past and and yeah even as i said even though i i didn't know much uh from him before because of course when you are part of a sports center uh, like a national uh, group and and then you have everything even you just worry about doing your thing and 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 focusing on, of course, trying to make the most of it. But yeah, as soon as I uh, I had that opportunity, then yeah, I knew it was the time to fly.
0: And and how's At that least? evolved over the last eight years? I mean, like you said, you've been with him. This will be your eighth year, ninth year. Um, you know, how has it gone from him being more of a coach to more of a consultant? Have you kind of learnt? Uh, what he's basically going, like, do you come into this new year 2020 going, okay, I know that we're going to be kind of doing this, 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 and this, or is he always changing things up? Is he surprising things? Is Or are you kind of, you're fully in control and just using him as a consultant? How's that changed over the last eight years? You know, you're a young twenty twenty one 21-year-old to, mm-hmm. you know, 30-year-old now. So how's, how's that worked?
1: Yeah, well, I've definitely, I mean, gained experience and learned a lot from him and from the group over the years. But uh, honestly, I I kept I keep seeing him, like, of course, as a coach more than a consultant and, and having him constantly uh, with us when we are on training camp, I think it makes things um, much easier for us. And, uh, of course, you or from myself nine, eight years ago to, to the one I am now, I've learned... To read a little bit more about how I feel and what I think it's worth doing, or how much I can do in in a day. But at the end, uh, I feel like what makes Joel special and 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 what I feel has made our journey uh, so simple and and enjoyable is been that well he's been able to to read. my feelings or my the way I was uh going mm-hmm. over over training period and as I said being there makes a, a, a big difference and and I just it's enough with me giving him uh like the the how do I feel after a, a, a training or a session uh for him to to adapt what is coming in the in the next mm. week or weeks uh, but. Yeah, like I said I I I don't see as much difference from the guy who went to to Clermont in two thousand thirteen to the one it is now a part of. Of course, knowing myself uh, a bit or or much better than than I did know in uh, such long time ago and with much less experience than now.
0: Well, I think the consistency that you guys have been able to have, you know, lack of injuries, um, I just think is phenomenal. Out of that whole squad, I, it's very rare to hear injuries. And, um, you know, all credit to Joel for being able to um, to keep you guys injury-free and then so consistent. You know, one of the things I've talked about with a number of athletes on this show is how speed kills. You know, speed mm-hmm. is the <laughs> – we all need to do it because we want to get faster. Yeah. Um, but it's a fine line between reaching for too much, you know, and I had Javier Gomez, as I mentioned, um, your teammate for Spain, and, and you know, he's done in, he's won nine world titles and varying distances and, and terrain and all sorts of things, but, you know, he's had quite a few things that he's had to deal with over time and, and we were sort of both sort of looking back at our careers and going, yeah, we pushed too much there, we pushed too much mm-hmm. there, but I haven't really seen too much of that. With you and and within that squad, your consistency has been been incredible.
1: Yeah, you're right. That often uh, the reason why we get injured or people get injured is because of that overdoing or uh, that's part of uh, uh, speed and fast work that we all like to do to to feel competitive and and to feel ready to race. But yeah, luckily he's take. Uh, like part, active part on on that, and making sure that we we don't overdo things that are not necessary. And then, on the other hand, I would say that at this point now, uh, being surrounded with uh, such a competitive and and talented and great athletes makes no need to test yourself uh, in training because doing what we already do and and doing it together makes us know that we are in in good shape in good condition Mm -hmm. and and that's why we we avoid those uh those things that maybe uh for some people are needed to to feel ready to race and Mm -hmm. for us just being having next to us that guy that you know he's always going to be consistent and good and fast then you don't need to to test yourself in, in the last rep or the last set of, of a workout. And and I definitely think that's been one of the reasons mm-hmm. why most of the group, it's been uh, consistently injury-free.
0: That's fascinating. That's really good insight, actually. You know, here was I thinking, you know, I'd be even more competitive because I have training mm-hmm. partners and I'd be wanting to beat them up. But, but you're saying, I know that that's the bar. I know that that's where the world standard is right there. I don't need to go try and test myself beyond that you know it's like
1: yeah, yeah you, uh, need,
0: ah, you yeah. need
1: very disciplined people to do that and i feel yeah. that, that <laughs> that's been uh you know like the the key of 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 the situation or the the success maybe uh like being able to to be surrounded or find people that have that uh, self discipline and and yeah think the same as you do because at the end i can believe that that's the way we're gonna get better and and win races or achieve our best. but if the person I have next to me wants to test himself every time, uh, then we're not going anywhere. So I feel that anyone who is training or we had around in 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 the past has had the same mindset and 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 that's that's what has made us go through it as I said mm. like not in in a relaxed way and not in a competitive or a stressed way
0: that's a really i mean i love all of that insight of having the right kind of guys and i guess that leads into what i want to kind of talk about is is the rest of your team and how you've been able to do it over the last sort of 15 years and and that's you know your relationships both you know your family and and um with with caroline your girlfriend uh, or she your wife i'm not sure if you guys are married yeah. yet but anyway yeah. um it's been but no, no good no worries And then, um, yeah, just I'm really keen about your family, but then also the team of experts that you surround yourself in and training partners. Um, Tell me how you've been able to build that. Obviously, you've got the Joel squad and your training partners, but tell me about the rest of your family and how that's progressed over the years and and surrounding yourself with the right people.
1: Yeah, I think uh, being lucky also enough to have like parents, supportive parents who never put any pressure on, on me or never expect anything about me in sport, but just hope for the best. Of course, as a, a, every uh, parent would do. But uh, they they've always thought that priority had to be uh, studies. So that's why I've kept and continue studying because that's what I have been taught since uh, I was a kid. But at the same time, they've been like the most supportive parents, are very very supportive uh, since. I was starting doing sport, so swimming and then triathlon in Mallorca uh, weekends, were for training and then racing and going around, uh, chasing the races and 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 always in a uh, prepared to get uh, pack the car and and even though Mallorca is not a, a really big island for for us distances uh, are not probably. Uh, for an Australian, where uh, <laughs> thousand k's are our maybe hundred k's, so for us going to the other side of the island, it's like a day trip. But they never hesitated to to do it with for for me and my brother, and and then, of course, uh, meeting uh, Carol when I moved to Madrid in in two thousand. Then, then, it was. It's been a uh, like well, someone who who has made all this journey possible. Definitely, I I couldn't have asked for a for a better partner in this in this journey. And and we both keep enjoying what we're doing. And and as I always said, we spent uh, over two hundred fifty days uh, a year traveling and and uh, spending uh, nights or days in in random apartments and having someone who. Is as passionate as you are with our sport and make things so so simple and easy makes you forget forget that and, and enjoy the opportunity we, we do have as being like professional athletes
2: like what you've heard so far then make sure you never miss a podcast by clicking the subscribe button now this show is only made possible by you the listener and if you'd like to support Greg please visit the Be With Champions Patreon page your support very much appreciated. Now back to the show. Carol's
0: also a professional triathlete. Um, for people that don't know, and is she um, potentially on the Spanish women's team for the Olympics? Has she, she's been to the Olympics? Right in in twenty sixteen, wasn't she?
1: She was. She raced in Rio. She was Olympian in in Rio in two thousand sixteen. Then, mm. uh, well, unfortunately, she had like a uh, very bad traffic, uh, bike accident, uh, like you oh. were on the bike and, and she got, uh, run over by a, by a car. And that was almost two years ago. Uh, so recovery, uh, was, uh, was long, but she managed to, to go through it. And, and now she's, uh, almost hundred percent. Uh, but of course she missed a bit of the, the, the first period of the Olympic qualification because when, as you know, over mm. two years and 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 then whatever you don't do in the first period you can't do it in the second one so so she's still a bit behind there but well she's going to race now probably similar calendar that I'll be doing for the next months and and see what that where that brings her but uh in any case yeah we feel very lucky that she is now able still to to keep training and and racing at the at the highest level so so even though, of course, the Olympics keep being like a a goal and and uh, another uh, dream to achieve, uh, now they've gone on a second uh, layer or level, and and it's about yeah being healthy and enjoying yeah. the day to day process. As I said before,
0: yeah, well, give her give her my best and and give her some hugs because I do I do remember seeing that now that you mentioned it the 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 crash that she had two years ago and the horrific images you guys put up on. Uh, on uh instagram social media Mm -hmm. and things so yes the for people that don't know um the olympic cycle for for any sport really does start a couple of years out um and for a lot of people it's adding up points and, and all that kind of thing if you're in the position like you are mario Mola, you know points are coming pretty quickly it's not so much about points as it is just trying to focus on the on the gold medal but for a lot of people that are just trying to squeeze squeeze into the top sort of 50 um, 55 athletes that get on the start line it's uh, it's really quite a tough and hard journey just just to get there and and if you have any setbacks anywhere along the way it, it really can put a nail in the coffin and you, and you don't really get that chance but but definitely wishing her the best moving forward so I just want to also yeah. talk about get a little bit of insight into you as a person and, and how you're able to operate on a, on a daily basis and and I just want to ask you about you know your sleep and and recovery are, are you measuring that kind of thing or are you able to sleep pretty easy how does that look like
1: yeah uh, i've been able to to i think find the the balance that works for me in terms of i try to sleep uh, Nine nine hours a day at least, and maybe have a, a little siesta, as we say, when when needed. Uh, but mm, I kind of yeah got used to going to to bed early since we I mean when we moved to to the squad and join the squad. Uh, the time time like the sch- schedule changed quite a lot from what we were used to in our uh, times in in Madrid. Just for reference, for example. We we used to swim uh, in the afternoon, starting at six thirty or seven, in the afternoon and finishing almost at <laughs> nine. So then that means <laughs> that you start having dinner nine thirteen, best case scenario, and then going to bed eleven thirty. If if you have a good digestion and if not, you go past midnight. So uh, <laughs> that was a big change from what we were used to. So now we 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 have dinner seven seven thirty, so that gives us a couple of hours still to to relax and and not go to bed with a full uh, stomach and and yeah we try to go to bed early sleep uh, as much as as we can and then in terms of yeah recovery and and food again trying to to do things as as simple and 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 easily to repeat that we can if that makes sense uh, just mm-hmm. because of course you changing locations constantly, changing uh, supermarket, uh, changing uh, food because basically, and um, not the same what you can get here in in the Canary Islands or in Mallorca than when you move to a, an Australian or, a, or an American uh, supermarket or grocery store. So you have to kind of uh, adapt to it, and and mm. and then yeah, the same uh, basic or try to 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 keep things as as basic and simple as possible approach that, that I think it's what character characterizes our like training and, and, and sport part of things Uh, we try to, or I do also try to, to apply it on, on, on this part. And, and it's true that over the years, of course you don't recover. Uh, so I don't recover as I, as I used to do maybe when I was 20. So some things you need to, to adapt to, or take more, uh, Put more attention to it, or be more careful about it. But for most of it, it's just doing things with common sense and and trying to to make them as you not uh, re- you don't rely so much in in little things and and that you can repeat it as I said like easily and and enjoying it because I think that when when you became you become a uh, slayer is called. Uh, when you depend on something, uh, then it is you. It's easy to to lose mm. uh, the joy of it, and and I feel that that's, that we can't let that happen.
0: Yeah, so it's really using nutrition and things like that just as a. It's a it's a fueling and keep it simple, you know, because you need All to right. have that routine. Because you, yeah. you like you said, two hundred and fifty days on the road a year and and just traveling and camps and trying to be in the best location for time zones and heat and everything else and mm-hmm. and, and and then so finding specific it food is, can yeah, be it really is difficult. Uh, yeah, specific.
1: yeah, yeah. It is something to manage, but uh, I guess that yes, yeah, some people need really to be uh, very specific and very on top of things, and and if that makes them. Do things better. Eh? You, every everyone, uh, make their own choices. But for us, uh, mm-hmm. we've, as I said, we've tried to to do things as easy as possible. But of course, taking care of what we think it is important, which is like eating well and 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 then sleeping uh, enough and to, um, to to recover and to be able to train day after day.
0: Yeah, you sound. You guys sound very much like how Laura and I kind of operated in the sense that when we were traveling so much, especially when we were focused, you know, purely on the World Series, the ITU World Series. Yeah. For people that don't know, is you know eight and eight or nine races all around the world. Um, you know, starting kind of in March, April, and finishing off in September, October, and. And and there's a lot of travel in between, and and um, you do need to keep things simple with nutrition. You do need to keep things simple with your sleep. And I'm still laughing about uh you know your your, your Spanish Spanish time um, for anybody that knows Spaniards, they do tend to love to have their late meals and go to bed late. And uh, you know Laura and I were knowing. You know, especially in our later years, that you don't call the Bennetts after eight because we were in bed by sort of eight eight eight, eight, eight thirty, and I'd have I'd have a little panic panic attack if I wasn't asleep by nine. You know, because uh, yeah. I love to yeah. get up. You know, at that uh, yeah, well, largely because uh, a lot of the races in 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 the U.S. and Australia were were very early morning events, and and I I love to know that I could be on and ready to go i remember new york triathlon which was one of the big ones here in the u.s for many many years and uh, it started at 5 45 a.m on the east coast of the u.s so that was Mm -hmm. equivalent to racing at 3 45 a.m when i lived in colorado so for me it was always having that mind of you know i need to be able to train well early and so yeah laura and i needed that strong routine and you mentioned you know following this world series 250 days on the road and and that was one of the things that tired me out from the world series it wasn't that I didn't love the racing it was just the yeah. amount of travel and and that's why when we got to the point in um well kind of 2000 I was kind of 28 29 and uh I said look I just need two home bases I, that's where mm-hmm. I just started you know and I picked Noosa Australia and, and I had Victoria Canada for five years and then it went we rather than Victoria Canada we moved to Boulder Colorado and that didn't mean we didn't travel from those home bases. Um, mm-hmm. I think that hurt Laura with cuz Laura was still very much focused on the World Series and probably half the World Series races were in Europe so that was a lot of travel for her and I think she would have performed better but you know she wanted to stay by me which was lovely and my racing was in the US but it's it is difficult to try and find the right balance between like you said, to have a few months in the winter in the Canary Islands is just so nice. Just because you can actually just find <laughs> the same place, and then you know the circus starts again soon, and and it can get exhausting.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is a big commitment, but I guess yeah, since we are doing it for a long time, we kind of got used to it, and we know it's not going to be forever. As you said, I guess there's a point yeah. where where you decide you need uh, like a proper base and to go back to a place you call home because it is it is becoming difficult to answer the question and where do you live, where are you from? And say, <laughs> Well,
0: I don't really know <laughs> yeah. Well that's why at the top of the show I said he hails from Mallorca, but I, I I didn't know where to say you went you're going to end up. And I tell you what, there's there's worse places in the world to end. Up. Anybody that hasn't been to Mallorca, oh my gosh. If you love riding a bike, go check that place out. But um, it is it is hard to find out how how much sort of body work are you getting? Um, are you getting a lot of massage and chiropractic or physiotherapy type work?
2: Uh, yeah, we we
1: since again since since joining the squad and I mean it's been evolving and developing through the years. But we we normally have two massage sessions uh, a week in you know, a regularly uh, basis and and then if if anything or if there's something that needs more more work or specifics then. Uh, having also the physio traveling around with us and knowing us for a long time also makes possible that that have uh, availability that you wouldn't have if you were going to uh, somewhere who wasn't part of of the group or whose main job was not uh, the the squad or or the group so yeah we kind of uh, got got around or survived with that and and at this point for example or lately I've uh, put more uh focus, for example, on on the gym work or core work that before I, I thought it was useless. And now I think maybe it's not that useless. <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> uh, I'm not enjoying, but uh, that I feel, well, if I ha- I want to still race for uh, a few years and, and not be uh, injured or at least to be able to race at my best, I feel, yeah, you need to implement some of that. And I guess, yeah, that's been bit of the learning we were talking about before things that well you first don't think are necessary or you don't even consider but eventually with time you realize it's they need to become part of your routine and when i say that maybe now i need to massage but in the future i'll need three or or a chiropractor but yeah we'll Mm. see we'll see what what, what the journey brings us
0: (laughs) i know it's funny just as you think you know yourself you're a day or a month or a year older and things change again and i know for me kind of towards my late 30s uh, I I basically had my team of my massage therapists who'd see me most afternoons Uh, my chiropractor uh, I had three chiropractors around the US and and one in Australia that I'd see you know Mm -hmm. once a week um, and I'd fly with I'd bring them to my key races and then um, my bike mechanic Um, we even had a period there where we had a living cook you know a young guy that could do all the grocery shopping and cooking for us it's kind of like building that support structure around you and I right. know Jan Fredino um you know probably one of the greats of our sport has won Olympic gold and a couple of or three world championship titles and in the man he he travels with his team of you know bodywork guys and, and all of that and um it's great to hear that I didn't realize that within your squad you guys were all you know I guess you all just pitch in to to have a you know the the bodywork people travel with you. Is that how it works?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, since the very beginning, that was one of the uh, things that Joel considered very important. And initially, of course, being less, it, it it meant that well, we had to split it in between less people, and and, and the costs were more important. Uh, luckily, now that we are more, or it makes things a bit easier. But it's been always thing that uh, we we have mm. considered as mandatory or seen as, as very important. And, and now I agree what you say. I feel over the years, those those things that maybe when you're young, you don't see as important or or that probably wouldn't be good for you when you are 20. And if you had everything given to and then you get used to that, then you can't live with it. But if you really want to extend your career and and, and be able to raise at your best uh, over 30, you probably uh, need to keep adding little things to make Life uh, easier in terms of recovery and 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 being able to focus because yeah we don't I mean the body is not what it was ten years ago and we've been damaging it quite a lot in the in the past so yeah we need to take care it's our uh, working tool so uh, if mate, we don't you, take you're, of- you're
0: still so you <laughs> you don't realize you're about to hit the golden thirties mate we Chris McCormack you know I, I did an interview with with Chris McCormack Macker and. Um, you know, we were both laughing how the golden thirties, you know, we, we had some success in our twenties, but it really was the thirties where we, it's almost like where that speed and strength and aerobic conditioning and, and just all round maturity come together. You know, um, you've been incredibly, cool. cons- you've been consistent your whole twenties, but I, I was probably a little bit more hit and miss than you. And and we really found the thirties and even one of my biggest wins, I was almost 40, um, you know, which was the the high V triathlon back in twenty eleven, yeah. and and you I know I was, video, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that I was still in sort of sub thirty minute ten k shape, still felt strong, and it really wasn't until about forty four for me that I really started forty three forty four. I started to feel like. I'm not getting as much power on the ground running. The little injuries are starting to pop up more. Now I'm having to do body work before I even go out the door. You know, the body was getting stiff and tight more and more. So, yeah. you know, you, you do have many years. So tell me a little bit, what is a, a typical week? I mean, not that there's ever such a typical week of training, but, you know, what kind of volumes and intensity are you guys doing that that's having you perform on the world level that you are?
1: Yeah, we we kind of follow a similar patterns over over the weeks, uh, it's true that they keep developing from the beginning of, of, of the year or the season. And, and then once you start traveling, it is much more complicated or racing. You, you have to adapt them, but basically we do mm, two main, uh, sessions on the, on the run and probably also, uh, on the swim almost probably three on the swim. Uh, key sessions. I mean, of course, then we we do uh, six six swims a week, uh, and I would say three of them are good sessions. Then we do probably also six six bikes uh, a week, and um, with volume. I mean, changing a little bit or evolving week after week, but um, with Longer rides, around three to four hours max, maybe three times a week. And, and then also doing a few sessions in when, when races get closer. And then on the run, as I said before, we, it's where we do more sessions. We kind of uh, find a way to do more volume by splitting some sessions. And for example, Tuesday or Saturday, we, we often do double runs. So we, we do an easy jog. Either in the morning on 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 Tuesday, and then in the afternoon uh, on Saturday, and and then earlier in Saturday we've done a, a run like a session, like normally more of a, of a build, more of an endurance uh, kind of run, and then on on Tuesday uh, we in the afternoon is when we would do the the track session, the track Tuesday uh, hashtag uh, that we mm-hmm. see. <laughs> that we all post same, of course, the same day, and that <laughs> we spread around on that day. But yeah, that's how more or less we've done it in in the past. As like I said, from the beginning, even with Joel, some things have changed uh, and been adapt uh, adapted. But uh, more or less, that would be the pattern we follow for mm-hmm. uh, a total of maybe twenty-seven to thirty hours, uh, well twenty-five to thirty hours a week in average, more or less.
0: Yeah, I was interested to hear because that's a, for for an ITU athlete, you know, I know in the US, you know, a, a lot of the US audience is really focused on Ironman and they look at ITU and, you know, say it's all about the swim run because you're allowed to draft on the bike, but you guys, you know, you're riding, you know, 10 to 15 hours a week on the bike and doing a considerable amount of work and what's mm-hmm. allowing you to run so fast is that you're getting off the bike, not fatigued. So you you know, i I it's interesting for me i remember always you know if i really did a lot of good work on the bike you know and say my run was in 30 minute run shape for 10k Mm -hmm. i could actually run within 20-30 seconds of that you know time that the the drop off wasn't very much at all in fact sometimes i almost feel like i ran faster off the bike than i could in a straight 10k run do you feel the same
1: yeah yeah it does it does make uh you get adapted to it. I uh, get adapted to it. As I'm often asked, uh, how fast do you think you could run a 5k uh, on the tr- in the track or like a 10k on the road? And honestly, I don't know. And I don't think it would be at this point much faster than what I'm doing on a triathlon because I'm training for uh, for that. I'm training to to run as fast as I can after a uh, solid swim and a and a tough bike. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. you're right that we are also putting a lot of effort on working or sessions on on the bike spreading them through the week in order to be able still to to do the run sessions mm. good and properly but but you don't really need to to hit the track fully fresh i don't think or or a saturday run uh being ready to smash it i feel you if you get there a bit tired well it's the closest you will get to the <laughs> the mm. the racing feeling actually so it's not bad
0: yeah, exactly too.
1: To, to get used to to train and to perform when you're tired because um, nowadays, barely any race, you start the the run without having put a, a considerable amount of, of effort on the swim on the bike and the bike.
0: I, I find it interesting. Everybody always used to ask me, you know, what, what do you think you could run a marathon in or what was your best marathon or what was your best 10K or 5K? And it was like, well... Mm. I never went and did those things because I knew that that was just a race taking away from my bucket of races that I wanted to put. And like right, I w- yeah. if I wanted to perform at my best, it needed to be in a triathlon. It needed to be something that it was my – that's what I did as a profession. And for me to go mm-hmm. run a straight-out marathon or a 5 or 10K, k, it. I used to do some 10Ks and things just for a bit of training. But honestly, uh, it was like, no, my focus is still on the racing. I want to talk to you a little bit about um, – your mental strategies and, and what you do to prepare for these championship races and, and the consistency that you've been able to have. Are you doing yeah. any visualizing or, or do you use any kind of word affirmations or anything to get you going before a race? How, what does that, how does it look for you?
1: Yeah, well, as, as you said, I would be more like that um, own uh, like work or like a visualization of, ourselves or myself in a race and in different situations and how I would manage those situations if they happen, even though <laughs> in triathlon you can think of, uh, you can prepare for 10 or 12 situations and then it would be the number 13, the one happening on race day. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I agree that uh, if if you don't or haven't seen yourself in in a position when where you are sprinting or racing for for a a podium position or a win Uh, then when you're there maybe uh, you you don't act or you don't you're not prepared as much as if you you visualize yourself there and and think yeah well if that happens I'm I'm ready to manage that and yeah that's that would be let's say the what I've been trying to to do and though again like not not so obsessed or not thinking overthinking too much about it just um, having in mind like a few uh race scenarios and then um, yeah knowing that well if that happens I'm yeah ready to to attack it or or ready to to go for it and 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 of course then the race is the one that puts you in in your place or the place you deserve but but I think that yeah having that having done that work beforehand makes makes things a bit a bit easier, or at least uh, you feel a bit more prepared for it.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, that's exactly it. I think before you get ahead of yourself with the visualizing, you still have to have done the physical work. But I um I recognized in my career, even though I'd I'd won some races, you know, and I won the World Cup series in sort of o one and o two and uh, mm-hmm. sorry o two and o three and and it was uh but it really wasn't until I was about thirty four thirty five and I actually did start really working hard actually on my visualizing and, and would spend a lot of time on massage tables really tracking through. And then I'd even do a physical visualizing where I'd be out training and, you know, I'd have Simon Whitfield on one corner a shoulder and Hamish Carter and Bevan Docherty. These were all the guys, you wouldn't know them, but yeah. but back in the day. And no, no. and I remember once racing in a, in a big race in the US, a Lifetime Fitness Minneapolis, and it was one of that big races, you know, 200 grand plus for the win kind of thing. And I'd visualized it so much that, when it actually, it actually happened during the race. And one of the guys by the name of Peter Robinson, an Australian who has three world championship titles um, before you were born almost. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but in, in the early noughties. And he used to race with these massive surges in the run. He'd just suddenly start sprinting and, and then he'd come mm-hmm. back sprinting. And and I'd had him visualized in my head and training so many times that I was ready for it. And on the after his third one, I'd, I'd trained it so much and was ready for it that I went. And then I kicked on him and got rid of him. But I was ready for it so many times that I mm-hmm. used visualizing for me to probably change my winning rate from around about that sort of 10% to closer to 50%. Mm-hmm. And But not to say that the physical had to be there too. I had to be doing the work. But the the visualizing and the ability to truly see it, it really launched me, I think, from being a good athlete with some consistency to mm-hmm. probably having finding that kind of, winning not domination but i went through a phase there where it was like okay i know what's going to happen i know what i'm going to do and maybe that's a little easier a lot of those races were non-drafting so they're a little bit more individual you know individual Mm -hmm. time trial whereas i think in the itu you still got to react a little bit to others around you so it's hard to visualize a whole race but Mm -hmm. it's something something i really picked up and enjoyed a lot from my my mid-30s onwards and and a lot of that came with confidence from the work i was doing but um
1: yeah yeah they they are key moments they are yeah that you it's true, you said it's impossible to visualize a, or prepare for a, all these scenarios during the whole race. But mm. yeah, I guess you can just race every weekend and find yourself in every different situation and, and see how you deal with, with it and then try to learn from it. Or maybe you can do a bit of the work beforehand and, and try to put yourself in that situation. And it doesn't mean uh, the outcome is going to be uh, the one you visualize, but at least you've mm. seen yourself or your Seem you you've been in that at least in your head in your mind in that situation and it's it's something that is not new and and then you you kind of know and guess the or guess the the way to approach it.
0: Mm. I, I'm fascinated with the mind and the power of the, the mind and what we can do moving forward, especially mm-hmm. in sport. That's kind of my become my, I guess my little passion that I just kind of um, I'm fascinated about how we do it. And I guess mm-hmm. li- that I just kind of want to lead into. Really, what I'm excited to talk to you about, and I know you probably don't want to over-talk about it, but what is it going to take to win Tokyo Olympics in your mind?
1: Uh, um, consistency, uh, not making mistakes. I think in in uh, in a race that if if it is as we we all think, it's gonna be like a very tough conditions and a bit of a Uh, surviving uh, survival race Uh, Mm. I guess it's going to be about of course being as fit and prepared as possible because the latest you you go on the on the deep red zone the better but uh, I guess yeah it's it's going to be a matter of mm, not overdoing in the months before it I feel uh, that that often that is the problem that we tend to do too much because we think that's going to be better. And, mm. and I, I mean, over the years, uh, I think realize is, is, is not the thing. And it's about getting there fresh, uh, of course, mm, trained and prepared, but, but with the freshness to, to, to leave the hand that 110% on, on that day. And, and again, I feel just not, not making uh, mistakes using the, the the kicks or like the the uh, the shots at the right time and not overspending when it's not needed and mm-hmm. and spending and putting the effort when in those moments where uh, the race uh, might be might be gone if you don't use the the energy in the in the right time so it's I think it's gonna be about about yeah finding finding the right moments to to use those uh, like those bullets we have and. And and see who survives better to to the conditions uh, as if they are as they they are supposed to be.
0: Well, I think you're on the right trajectory because I think you got <clears throat> was it 19th in in London at your first Olympics, then you got eighth yeah. at Rio. Um, to me, that looks like the progression is heading in the right way. And <laughs> and I think if uh, when you look at the conditions, like you said, uh, and for people that don't know the sport, so Tokyo Olympics is going to be in July and um, extreme conditions. It's going to be well into the 30s and very high percent humidity, you know, 80% plus. In fact, it was so hot and humid last year, they actually – Shortened the women's race from a 10k to a 5k, um, which yeah. I was very disappointed in in the uh, ITU for doing that because I I I, um, I believe professional athletes should be prepared for the extremes whether it be extreme Mm -hmm. cold or it's going to be hot you know it's like anybody that's getting ready for tokyo do everything and every piece of homework that you can do work with your coaches your consultants and figure out how to get ready for hot and you know heat and humidity um Mm -hmm. the one thing about you it's almost like your gift has been a curse in the sense that you're such a phenomenal runner that you've created a monster with everybody else that might outswim you in that they're now biking for their lives because they know mm-hmm. Mario Mola could be there. And so, in one sense, you you love a hard race. I know that. And you said that at the top of the show that you you love a, you know, you used to turn up to high school track meets or whatever, and everyone, was, oh, Mario's here is gonna go flat out. But I know that you love <laughs> that. But if, have you considered um uh teammates or anybody i mean i know you you can swim with the best of them but sometimes mm-hmm. you know if, you, if you're not there have you have you figured how how are you going to get to the front of that bike and give yourself the best opportunity have, have you discussed that with joel who could be there to work with you because um i mean i know you can well, time trial well yourself but
1: no yeah well but well we've known from, from known from experience that of course uh you you need support in order to to bridge uh, or to bring down like a, a a breakaway where there's four or five or more people working and uh, consistently and, and 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 with a commitment to to go for go for it and and no hesitation that which which mm-hmm. is what in in the past has has thrown our chances in the in the in the main pack uh i think that in the past with uh, the appearance of new uh, like athletes who who have been in who are often in in a similar situation where where am I uh, or I am then we n- we kind of know that we need each other uh, to to compensate or to 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 work the same way that the guys who are often in front do and and I guess it's just about using your strengths and and try to mm-hmm. fight Ali's to 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 work for it and uh, of course it's gonna be interesting and important to see how the exit of the water is and and how how the things are spread because for example in in Rio I had one of oh, one of my best swims uh, but but then maybe it wasn't the ideal scenario because then I was in between the f- front group and, and mm-hmm. the main group for almost three laps and spending a lot of energy with with christian blumenfeld uh which which at the end because the main group was stronger we ended up uh staying with the main group and and having used a lot of energy to to bridge so those things i mean you can prepare for it and be ready for it but you only know when you exit the water it's not mm-hmm. only about yourself but also about where uh, where the other people who who are also committed and who know that it's, you need to work to to fight for the win. I mean, you can sit in the group and be happy with a, a fifth, a sixth or an eighth place in the best case. But if you want to win the race, you need to, to work on the bike and, and make sure that the difference with the, with the front group is the smallest, if any. So So then, yeah, I guess it's got to be prepared for it and as i said before in, in the past uh with norwegians with uh jake uh Jeans, for example the belgian uh, guy as well we we do have people who who have this mindset of we exit the swim no matter where we are we we work and and well the sooner we get in touch with the front pack the easier the easier is going to be the rest of the race but mm. uh, i mean for a, for a while it's been Uh, it hasn't been so easy and, and well, I guess that sometimes, even though, you know, you have those people around, uh, like, a better or a worse swim in that day might mean that people are 20 or 30 seconds apart and, and, and yeah, we have to see how that develops because, uh, then wasting energy individually, of course, uh, it's, it goes against us, but it's part of the game.
0: But I think what's interesting about all of that is I think because of 2019, like we discussed with so many winners, so many different podium guys, it's, it works out better for, for yourself in the sense that there's more guys that believe they can be on the podium at the Olympics now. It's not just the two Brownleys and Javier Gomez breaking away off the front mm-hmm. and everybody going, oh, well, there goes the podium. It's, hang on. Every there, there's so many guys Christian Blumenfeld you mentioned Jacob um, Jelly Greens like there's there's a lot of guys in there that believe they can be on that podium and that belief creates that commitment that you're needing when you get out of the swim whether you're all out of the swim in the top five or if you're in the top you know 35 it doesn't mm-hmm. you've got that commitment around you and I think that works. I think that works well for you going forward. That you're not going to be just on your own, or it used to be, you know, yourself and your training old training partner Richard Murray a lot of the time yep. trying to bridge gaps. Yep. I think there's more of you now going. Hang on, you know, if if we can close down any gaps, bring the group together, um, create a foot race as quick as possible, a running foot race, um, mm. and then throwing it out there. And and the one thing with heat and humidity for people that don't know, it tends to be. the the smaller, lighter guys tend to perform better in the extreme heat and humidity. And, you know, I don't think there's many that are smaller that are lighter than you are. So I think, you know, the the conditions, when I looked at the test event last year, um, I know Alex Yee was the fastest with a, I think he just went under 30 minutes on the course. And I asked Javier Gomez this question. I said, what do you think it's going to, what run time do you think it's going to take to win the Olympic Games? And he said 30 minutes. And then I looked up the splits and I'm like, well, hang on. Alex went twenty nine fifty eight. So at the moment, Javier, you're in second. But <laughs> what do you what do what do you think that run split's going to look like?
1: Yeah, well, I guess it will depend on how the the bike develops. But I I don't see uh, or I find it complicated to to see like the uh, like the quickest of the runs of the year. Uh, it was already in in Rio where we knew it was a, a very tough course and it would be very difficult to run. Uh, three minutes okay or 30 minutes. So I, I guess, I mean, Javi's got much more experience and, and knowledge than, than me. So so I have to agree with him. And I definitely think that, uh, I mean, the bike, no matter what, how, or for how long, it's going to be a tough one. And after that, in, in those conditions, whoever is able to, to run around those 30 minutes will probably be fighting for the medals.
0: Okay, so here's a question for you. You've got the gold medal. You're on the podium and you look to your left and you look to your right. Who do you want to see there? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, That's all right, well, mate. You don't have to yeah, do that. <laughs> no, no.
1: Well, I, I mean, it's it's easy on a way, but it's also complicated because there's many names. Uh, yeah, but of course. I guess, uh, I mean, country fellas would be always very special.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. You could in, do that with uh, with Gomez and a Yeah, yeah. We've never,
1: we never did that. Uh, Norwegians, the Norwegians were the first ones, I think, to, to, to at least in the main side, to do it in, in, in Bermuda last year, if I'm not wrong. So, uh, no, even though we've been close with Fernando, uh, Javi, and of course, sometimes also Vicente, Hernandez was in the top eight. So, so we've been close, but never uh, with the whole podium. But, for that hell, <laughs> what else, what, more can you can you ask for uh, but then if it's if it's not surrounded by uh Fernando or uh, javi of course I would I would prefer to to have a training partner because of the same mm-hmm. thing I said uh, earlier in the talk uh, that uh, we we all feel we are part of uh, how good or how bad we we are on that day and and we all wish for the best for uh the rest of us so yeah it would be that would be great if it could be any any really of of the training partners
0: you're a good man and i shouldn't have asked you that question cuz i know <laughs> you have got a, a lot of close friends in the sport and uh, i know they say the norwegian the norwegians were the first to podium in what they cuz you got to understand i'm a little old school so they changed the <laughs> name from, from the, it used to be world cups and then they changed it to the world triathlon series events and yeah. um so i spent 15 years doing world cups and then they changed the name and said oh well, world cups aren't the same anymore <laughs> and, and we were yeah. like, "Hang on, yes, <laughs> they were the best of the best eight times a year of we course, used to yeah. race each And so, as Australians, we actually did multi. We did many, many times. We had the the three of us on the podium either myself, mm-hmm. Chris McCormack, Craig Walton, or Greg Welsh, Miles Stewart, Brad Bevan. Uh, the the list goes on. And that was a solid and, and, list, yeah. Yeah, list, yeah. So I'm all, I'm always like, so when you, when you do eventually go back and spend, you know, watching all these old videos, you'll you'll see that we it wasn't as professionally run as what you guys have now in the World Series. But I was no, like, but it know, was
1: the best racing yeah uh, yeah yeah, though, yeah. definitely so, yeah
0: yeah t- tell me a bit uh give our guests some idea of some you know for gear recommendations um or favorite training locations you know swim bike run recovery nutrition you got any tips for people that if they're starting out in triathlon or they might be just a casual runner or, or whatever or they might be a you know a, a young kid mm-hmm. that just wants to become the, the next mario moller any any little things of, of advice you can give
1: well, I, I've never felt myself ready to give advice to anyone really, but... Uh, well, wow, you
0: better be ready, mate. You're, you're almost 30, it's time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> still 29, uh, so <laughs> I'm still the listener, the one uh, getting the information. But, well, I guess, of course, being from Mallorca, I've got to say that it is a great uh, training location, a great place to to ride your bike, as, as you said before, and, and I encourage anyone who hasn't visited to 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 come by and, and enjoy what it is the uh, the island uh, the in the mediterranean and, and with a with a nice mm-hmm. culture of triathlon now you have basically uh, uh, in summer you have a triathlon every weekend you can race that and and there's always good people competitive people racing so that's that's always nice and a part of that pff, I don't know what to say really it's just uh, what what I've done uh, what I've tried to learn in the past, it's been well, of course, you look to those who have uh succeeded and 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 done well, see how, how they behave and how they do things, and and don't try to 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 be too innovative or to try to find things that uh really are away from your site, it's just basically. Uh, copy as much as you can from them because mm. uh, if there's a reason why they got there, it's because the way they're doing things and and I think it's a sport that gives everyone the possibility to be very close to the professionals and 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 see how things are done and 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 that would be my my thing. of course, start yeah. start gradually and don't expect of course from day one to be doing the same, but uh, approach it the way I feel. People has succeeded in the past and, and, and it's going to be, I guess, easier at least to, to enjoy it and keep improving.
0: Well, that's what this show is all about. I, I actually, in the trailer, I start by saying, you know, are you someone who likes to learn from the best? And and, mm-hmm. and so hopefully people that are listening to this understand that the reason I'm interviewing the best in the world is because there's, there's so much that you guys are willing to give in your knowledge um, and there's so much that we can learn from from you guys. And you mentioned Mallorca and and I only mm-hmm. went there once last year. I, I think I missed you by a couple of days. We, yes. we were there training a young athlete and went to the, the, the Ironman 70.3 um and just we we spent a couple of weeks there it was just blown away and the other famous spanish guy not quite as big a name as you that comes out of Mm -hmm. mallorca is um rafael nadal now do you do you have much to do with him on the island are you guys Mm -hmm. like are you guys buddies uh no buddies but well we we
1: know each other and of course know of the I know of the existence and know of him probably more than of course he he <laughs> or Rafa would know of me, but but yeah he I mean he is a like very humble very very nice uh, person and and we haven't we haven't been in the same place or because I'm, we are both traveling around so we mm. the, actually the last time we probably. Uh, well, saw each other was in, in Mallorca in the, for the Super League event in, in, in Porto mm. Cristo a couple of years ago. But then the one I remember was in, in Rio Olympics at the Olympic Village where, where we saw each other and, and shared a few words. So, uh, yeah, we, I mean, even though we are both from there, I think we don't spend a lot of time because if our calendar is uh, tough, I think tennis players... It's even crazier. I don't think mm. they spend more than uh, a month a year there. But um, but yeah, uh, again, he's someone that would try try to look at and try to learn from, and and, and also like a, I think a very uh, easygoing or simple person who, mm. who would be very nice to to chat with.
0: Yeah, I'd like to get him on this show. He's one of the he's one of the guys that I've you know In I, I've the list. down. That, yeah, he's on my, he's on my list of guys. Him and Roger Federer and and, and Djokovic. I, I look at some of those tennis players are just uh, truly remarkable and, and great athletes. So I, I, he is on the list. So if you do know him well, please please forward him my um, contact details and we'll hook up a chat. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Mario, this has been an absolute pleasure, mate, and I, I really appreciate your time for um, for coming on and. Thank you, everybody, for, for listening. Have, how do people follow you, um, your social media tags and things like that? What are your Instagram and things?
1: Yeah, well, I have Instagram, as everyone, or pretty much everyone has now. It's just Mario Mola. Uh, and, yeah, even though I'm not the the most active in, in social media, we try to, to publish every once in a while to let people know where we are and what we're doing. Mm. And even though it is repetitive, because our sport has (laughs) this, that (laughs) I mean, I can get creative, but uh, it's, Mm. it's hard. It's hard to get some fresh content. But we're lucky enough to have, for example, like Tommy's affair is like a professional photographer with us who, who gets good content and, and the Instagram account really improves when he's around because we get some uh, <laughs> professional uh, pictures to share. But yeah, well, I guess that's where it it is easier to to follow our our journey and and yeah, I've, as you said, well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you and and mm-hmm. hopefully we don't need to to wait another uh, five or six years to catch up again.
0: No, I need, to get, I need to get to a few more of the events, you know, either be Super League or the ITU World Series. And, you know, are, are you looking beyond, uh, you know, ITU racing? And, and obviously, you've got a number of Olympics in you if you want. Like I said, you're still plenty young enough. Would you, you considering any other kind of racing within the sport, whether it be Ironman or, or is it, you know, you, you're in your passion and you're loving it? You don't have to, uh, uh, I, no, I, I didn't do Ironman. I Iron don't Man, know so.
1: yet. I haven't, honestly, mm. yeah, honestly, I haven't. So far, yet, uh, of course, uh, I feel mixing things up a little bit. It's always uh, nice and good for the for the mind. Probably after a year, yeah. where we are so focused, as we are gonna be this yeah. one. But but also, yeah, I can't complain with how how we're doing with with what we're doing. And as long as we we keep enjoying and being healthy and being able to do what we do, uh, I don't think we can ask for a for a better life
0: mate you're doing fantastic stuff and i i truly am wishing you the very very best come tokyo and i'll be really rooting for you i'm one of your biggest fans so um really wishing you the best there and again thanks for coming on and thanks everybody for listening to myself and maria Mola, three-time world series champion and hopeful olympic games uh, gold medalist come come tokyo 2020 stay on the line mate thanks everybody